0: Hey, friends. So, here at the Schoolhouse Life, we love encouraging people to follow their heart, their passions, and serve their community in a way that's meaningful to them. And today, I had the distinct honor of talking to my friend Farah about her passion for a group in Haiti that works with moms trying to have babies like people do around the world in a safe and protective environment. And it's a really beautiful thing she's working to do, and I just love her passion for it, and I can't wait for you to listen and hear and maybe feel connected to what is happening in Haiti, and maybe learn some ways that you can get involved um, and support these women who have very few options and need all the support they can get. So listen, let us know what you think, and if you have a passion project you'd like to share with us, reach out, let us know. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics and all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income, to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey friends, it's me, Lacey. I'm really, really excited to be here with my friend Farah. Um, we're going to be talking about something that she's super passionate about, and I think you'll be interested in, cause it has a little to do with some of the things we've talked about on the podcast before, um, birthing in particular. I know a lot of mamas that I know are, get really passionate about, natural childbirth, childbirth in general, childbirth support, um, and how we can be a part of that and support other moms going through that. And Farah has taken that to like the degree. <laughs> and not only has she gone back to midwifery school, she also is working with a really amazing organization out of Haiti helping women there get access to better childbirth just experience and and support. So, um, I'm going to start at the beginning a little bit. Fair and I know each other through oils. Um, the oily world is diverse and full of people who are um, you know, they could be super hippies and they could be super not hippies and I think Fair and I fall maybe on the hippier side of things. Yeah. Um, and so we've connected <laughs> over a lot of common interests, but um, but yeah, Fair, I want you to kind of start at the beginning of like how did you even become sort of involved in the birth community where did you start with that
1: yeah so I started in the birth community completely by accident having (laughs) my first baby in Tennessee um, as an 18 year old walking into the hospital and the only thing I knew was that I didn't want drugs I didn't want an epidural or anything and the doctor that I was seeing was like um, his kid was sick and he was like well since you don't want epidural or drugs anyway is it fine with you if the staff midwife Television baby and I was like sure that'd be great you know <laughs> and, and just such a huge blessing to me to like get started on accident with having um even an in-hospital birth but with an amazing midwife who uh, made it just a really phenomenal experience and you were and 18, then,
0: so everyone I've talked to who has had babies at that young usually they get majorly taken advantage of and it almost right. they have a worse outcome because they don't get any respect or you know it's assumed they don't know what's right. happening right like Right, um, that's a mi- a little bit of a miracle, honestly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it
1: was a huge, a huge blessing. Um, and so then with my second, like, it's pretty natural to look for midwifery care. My friends were having babies with midwives. And that was another amazing experience. But what I realized after my son was born was that so many people around me were having traumatic experiences and, you know, poor outcomes for their babies. And so I just started looking into what the difference was. I didn't even know what the difference was, really. And I discovered doula work and I became um, a certified doula because I thought, well, there's got to be something I can do, you know. And I've actually um, taken clients as a doula for the last 20 years.
0: Wow. Um, and Can about of... just for the people who are listening that maybe, I feel like most people know what a doula is, but just explain what a doula is versus a midwife, maybe, what the differences are. Yeah, that makes sense. So a doula
1: is somebody that attends uh, labor and birth with a couple Specifically for comfort and just helping them navigate their choices. Mm. So, as a doula, when I work with a family, you know, we go over all the choices that are going to be presented to them through birth and the labor process, what's important to them, what they're going to want. And then, in those intense moments when they're surrounded by beeping machines and doctors and nurses walking in and out of their room, I'm there to remind them, like, hey, you know, I know this was really important to you before. Can I help you stick to this that you wanted, you know, or let them know like, Hey, you know, the doctor's about to break your water. Do you want that to be done? So I'm just kind of like that little bit of a go between. Yeah. 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 I don't um, speak for them. You know, they have to speak up for themselves. And the other thing is, you know, um, just all the comfort measures that are hard to think of when you're you know, transitioning through labor. Hey, let's, you know, get up and walk to the bathroom for a second. Or, you know, you can be on your hands and knees and get some back pressure. The things that seem simple when we're talking about it on a podcast, but aren't when you're in the middle of labor. And it's just good to have somebody there that's specifically for you and your comfort. And then I keep the dads involved. So it's easy for dads to like, kind of fade to the back and let the nurses, you know, um, get in there. And I'm like, Nope, you belong right up here. Stay, stay right here, you know? And so I keep them, uh, kind of a little bit more involved than they might be otherwise. And so it's completely non-medical. And now I'm in uh, midwifery college and a clinical apprenticeship to become a midwife and midwives, um, fully take care of women through labor and birth. Mm-hmm. Um, most states in the U S have, um, licensing for midwives and there's a lot of training involved. And, um, Hopefully in a couple of years I will be licensed and um, uh, be able to fully care for women through that whole process. So the place I'm apprenticing here now is a just fully functional birth center. We have a beautiful birth center. Women come here to have their babies. We also offer home births. And since I'm in Alaska and it's pretty rural, um, we have little cabins with wood stoves and way out in the woods on rivers and um, fun, fun experiences doing home births here.
0: Oh my goodness. That sounds amazing. Okay. So for me, I think there's everybody, there's every woman has a different preference. And I think by, by number four, mm-hmm. I realized that I would really rather be in a closet by myself uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and just like yes. put my head out every once in a while, but like, be, be like, Amy, my midwife, Um, is this right? <laughs> <maybe> right. <laughs> Close the door again and everybody leave me alone. Some people want like a camera crew and like right. all, the, all the people they know to be there. That's not how I roll. But um. But it's so interesting, too, that, I mean, every woman can go into a birth experience. And I think one of the best things a doula can offer is education beforehand and then having those conversations. Because I think if you walk into a birth nowadays, there's just sort of a system involved, right? Like this is A, B, C, D. We're going to do all of these things. Um, and unless you have that education or that person who understands what little things can pop up here or there or what procedures may not be, um, may lead to other complications, then if you're going in blind, it, you can have a really, really traumatic experience. And just like Farah, I've had, I've talked to women all the time who've had really, really difficult birth experiences that are you know nothing shy of like traumatic (laughs) and um and that can be devastating for a woman when you start your mothering career in a place of feeling traumatized it doesn't you know it's a really bad um bad foot to start off on so doula work is so important and then of course midwifery is also crucial and I'm hoping, I feel like there's a resurgence of people realizing like, oh yeah, you know, there's a different way to do a lot of the parts of my life, <laughs> you yes. know, whether that home setting or homeschooling or home birthing, right? It all kind of goes, it falls in line like dominoes, it seems like, um, exactly. So, okay, you've doulaed for, for 20 years. And also, just to be clear, because I know there's at least one or maybe two other doula options out there, because I don't know what the word doula actually means. Um, but there's like a postpartum doula option, somebody that comes in because postpartum is a huge experience and can also be very traumatic. Um, and then there's even death doulas, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yep. really so, doula. so, yeah,
1: so, yeah, a birth doula does everything, um, pregnancy, labor, and birth. Mm-hmm. A postpartum doula is really a neat combination between, like, a lactation consultant, right. a meal cooker, house cleaner, um, caretaker, and you know, in other countries, it's completely normal. Um, in fact, literally, just had a client um, from the Netherlands right now, and she was like, "Oh yeah, everybody just gets assigned a, a midwife and a doula okay. in the Netherlands, nice. and they come to your house, and you have your baby, and then." Your postpartum doula shows up the next day and shows up every day for the next 10 days to two weeks yeah. to take care of you and help establish everything, watch over your newborn, um, that kind of thing. In fact, I have a friend, her name is um Marianne Murphy. She just put out a book uh on postpartum doula's oh, based wow. on she's from the Netherlands and based on their really um robust maternity system. And um yeah, That's so incredible, yeah. Yeah, it's not as common here in the US. But if you think about just how precious and vulnerable those early days are with a baby, um, to have somebody that's just confident and versed in newborn care and nursing and taking care of you. I tell people that if they're new to an area and don't have family around, like, forget the baby clothes, ask for a postpartum doula for your
0: baby shower gift. You know? well, and the thing in our culture is we barely are allowed to have our husband's home <laughs> to be right. with us for that, you know, critical period. So, I mean, it just makes complete, it's like, I'm not, I don't consider myself a super feminist or anything, but <laughs> it's like a patriarchy issue, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I think mothers are just such a critical part of culture. And I think we can see that under, under, um, What's the word I'm looking for, like the undervaluing of mothers um playing out in a really negative way in our culture, and um I mean, there's no more important time to to nurture a mom than in that that moment when she becomes one, so anyway, it's all fascinating, okay, so you're in Alaska, going to midwifery school, um and then you also are working with haiti, I know, and how did you get involved with the program in Haiti and tell us a little bit about uh, more more about that okay.
1: so kind of like you said the um Oily, oily people <laughs> have a lot of connections and a lot of um, things. I was actually teaching uh, at a um, event. I was teaching on fertility and hormones and infertility, the whole mm-hmm. gamut of hormones um, at an event in Portland. And one of my friends through oils um, happened to be there at it and heard me teaching at it and just straight up invited me to go to Haiti with her. She was on the board of Mama Baby Haiti, and um, you know I really just believe in giving and serving, you know, at what falls at our feet. You know, I don't think we have to go looking very far for where our purposes are and um, what we do. And Haiti, um, Haiti is actually a really close neighbor to the U S it's only an hour and a half off the coast of Florida. Um, and there's a big Haitian community in Florida and several other states up the East coast. Um, And so, and it was already within my scope, you know, birth and birthy things. And so I did, I, I, um, went to uh, Haiti to volunteer at mama, baby, Haiti's birth center in Cap Haitian, Haiti. And, you know, that was it. Like, I didn't have to look any farther. Like, there it is. Like (laughs) why not continue on right here with something that's in my path. Mm -hmm. And I, um, actually became, um, on the board. I'm now the volunteer coordinator for mama, baby Haiti on their board. And, um, took another group back um, just about a year ago and got to see more of what they do and more of what goes on there. And one of the things that I really appreciate about the organization is that it's completely run by Haitian midwives. There's actually nobody from the U.S. on the ground um, at any like given time in Haiti other than when volunteers go to just um, be a support there. And I I love that because there's been so many times that, you know, U S based organizations go into low income countries and provide a service or take over something that really should be, um, you know, uplifting and it should be in support of people taking care of themselves and doing it themselves. So I fully, um, really like the model that mama baby Haiti, um, Does, And they have a training center, they train uh, midwives every 18 months, they take in women who have already become nurses on their own in Haiti, and then they come and uh, they can apply to become a midwife. So a little backstory on that is when the big earthquake happened in Haiti in 2010, I believe it's 2010, um, you know, 250,000 people died. And that took out a huge number of their professionals, including medical professionals, doctors, nurses, midwives, Wow. Like a ton of them died, and there was just not care. Um, a midwifery training school collapsed and killed two hundred and fifty midwives uh, in that earthquake. Wow. So, you know, they have not recovered really their medical personnel over the last twelve years. Wow. So two midwives from Oregon flew into Haiti, um, took a thousand pounds of um, duffel bags, and delivered babies through that earthquake disaster. Um, and then out of that started mama baby Haiti to provide not only free prenatal care and birth, um, for women there, but to provide a training school to, um, raise up Haitian midwives again. So that's what they're doing. And
0: I love that. Yeah. My midwife actually went to Haiti too. And I don't know if it was with the same organization or if there are multiple, but, um, but it's just such a beautiful thing. So as a volunteer, what do you do when you go down there?
1: So because it's fully run by Haitians, one of the main things we do is take supplies. Uh, Haiti, believe it or not, for as impoverished as it is, things cost twice as much or three times as much there as they do in the U.S. It's an incredibly horrific cycle of poverty and inflation. Um, So we take in supplies, even something as simple as like a Chuck's pad, you know, waterproof square pad. Um, you know, we carry in supplies, so they don't have a giant supply of them. They're delivering, you know, three or four babies a day, and each mom gets half a Chuck's pad, ripped in half, for her entire labor birth, the oh. entire thing.
0: That's it, you know. Oh, my gosh, so- though. I think yeah. that they're like, I'm just imagining like, ball it up, throw it away, get a new one, ball it yeah. up, throw it away, get a new nope. one. Oh my goodness,
1: wow. No, nope, not at all. They they walk in in their dress. Uh, women in Haiti all wear dresses. They walk in in their dress. They keep their dress on for the whole thing. They have one little tiny um, old mattress with a ripped up sheet on it and half a Chuck's pad. And that's uh-huh. where they lay down and give birth and get up and get on the back of a motorcycle and go home from So. It's, okay. So
0: there's no home birth. They're not doing
1: home births in Haiti. Um, the midwives with mama baby Haiti are not doing home births. Okay. They, they see a really high volume of women. Right. Um, like I said, I think they're delivering four babies a day right now, oh, every yeah. single day. Um, they have one labor and delivery room in their um, clinic and wow. one little tiny postpartum room. And so that's, that's like a ton of like uh, prenatal visits every week, you know, yeah. Like they're seeing a hundred women a week for prenatal visits. So, wow. yeah. um, and then because of safety issues in Haiti, um, travel issues and safety issues, um, it's not, it's safer right now for our midwives to stay right. at the clinic and, you know, have supplies available and things like that. So this clinic serves truly, you know, the poorest of the poor of Haiti. Um, everything is free. I don't always love that model because I like for people to, um, you know, there's Haitian midwives that are not part of Mama baby that need to be paid. They need to have paying clientele. There's um, doctors that need to be paid. However, you know, if it comes to buying food for your three-year-old or paying for your prenatal appointment, they're going to buy foods for their three-year-old and not come to a prenatal appointment. You know what I mean? Or pay for your birth or stay home and do it yourself and die. You know, they're not going to pay for their births. There's no money. So Haiti has the highest maternal and infant mortality rate in the Western hemisphere.
0: (sighs) Yeah. So, okay. Question is just, so how are they funded? They're taking donations? Is that, okay. So
1: they're funded through the U.S. And really, you know, it's so neat because we say we're just funded by moms. There's not any um, giant donors, you know, um, regularly. There's moms and midwives and people that care about moms and babies that um, give and keep it funded. And because of that, we're able to pay our midwives. So all the midwives on staff, they they work it like a job and they get paid. Um, they make five hundred dollars a month, which is a lot of money in Haiti. In Haiti, only about three out of a hundred people are employed, so the midwives are.
0: Wow. Almost
1: every midwife is the only person in their, not only their extended family, but their extended family and and immediate community.
0: Three um, out of a hundred. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, what do you, how do you, how is how, that? I'm just trying to fathom how a community can survive on that. That's insane. I know. I know. Are there, I, are there I, they're just, I mean, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well so there's, I mean, that's, and you know, it's what contributes. It contributes to that high death rate, you know, yeah. and um, yeah.
1: And one of the things we wanted to do is Mama Baby wanted to get upstream of like the orphan situation. So, providing free births and making sure women survive childbirth means children aren't orphaned, right. you know. So to to get upstream of that is a pretty neat concept too. I really um, appreciate what they're doing in that way.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I have heard that the orphan situation is massive. I've also heard there's the other girl, and I can't remember her name right now, but that does the project where they teach women how to track their cycle. Oh, yeah. You're not yeah. getting pregnant as frequently because a lot of that is just education. If you know when you ovulate and when you are not ovulating, you can better control whether or not you're going to get pregnant or not. And I think that's all Really interesting too. Um, but anyway, okay, well, so that's really beautiful. So, how would you suggest anybody that's listening um, get more involved with Mama Baby if that is an interest to them? Yeah. So,
1: Mama Baby, um, Mama Baby Haiti.com, or maybe it's Mama Baby Haiti.org, uh, <laughs> is, is their website. One of the things that is a little, I think they're like a little hard to find on the website, but you kind of got to scroll down and look at staff members and mm-hmm. click on the links to their stories. There's some really good. Um, videos that were well done um, that tells the stories of some of the staff members um, of the birth centers that Mama Baby has in Haiti and just what women have to do to get there. And then, you know, it's interesting and I'm, I'm learning. this. So this is a, a learning journey for me as well as being part of a nonprofit organization and working in um, a country that just has so little resources, you know, what are the best practices and what is the West? Best way, and you know, so often we want to go and we want to be there and give of our hands and our skills. But right now, currently, like as I'm speaking, it's not safe to be there, and mm-hmm. it's not safe um, for our midwives to have, um, you know, a person from the U.S., you know, right. there that has. Calls attention to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's times when you know volunteers don't go, and we, you know donate to make sure that moms <laughs> are taken care of, you know, and sometimes special things come up. Um, and a lot of impoverished countries, hospital detention is a big thing. It's actually, um, completely illegal uh internationally but
0: hospitals do it anyway and that's where they will
1: detain somebody until their bill is paid
0: oh my goodness so not that's not detention detention i think about high school and you stay a few hours like right it's a nice way to say imprisonment really they hold patients hostage yes wow yeah and without
1: care so Um, um when it comes to moms and babies um, at one of the main hospitals in Cap, Haitian, if she has her baby there, her and her baby are put outside in a fenced area without care or food or anything. Their family has to walk it there every day as well as find a way to pay the bill before she's released. So mama baby also works to when they can, when they can physically get to the hospital,
0: right.
1: um, you know, find moms and babies who are um, detained there. Uh, Mm -hmm. we'll sometimes put up a special notice, like, Hey, can you donate to get this woman and her baby released? Mm -hmm. And it's usually like 750 Mm -hmm. to $1,200 is the total bill, um, Mm -hmm. for, for a mom, uh, at a hospital there. But it's, you know, pretty, um, grim situation. When I was there last time, there was a woman who had sold everything. Like she had sold their clothes, the last dish and pan in her house to try to Mm -hmm. pay for her daughter to get out of hospital prison. And was still like, you know, $700 away. And so we got our daughter out and, you know, set her up with some new pots and pans and a little bit of clothes and just like a little tiny bit to get started with Mm -hmm. to kind of re-get their life back. Um, But it's something that, you know, is really like, it's difficult. Just like in the U.S., most Mm -hmm. of us go to hospitals. Like most people in the U.S. go to hospitals to have their baby without any realization that the C-section rate in the US is about 30%. You know, they have no clue that they're walking into the hospital and, you know, one in three are going to end up with a C-section with a scar or an adhesion or something that's going to affect them for the rest of their life, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's the same in Haiti. You know, it's medical is medical. Like a lot of people walk into the hospital, have a baby with no realization that they're not coming back out. You know? And so there's just a lot of there's a lot of education to be done. and just
0: a lot to a lot. <laughs> There's just yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that. Like we were talking about culturally in the United States, how we sort of undermine women. I if you start there, it seems like the best potential um, influence on the rest of the culture. I think. Yeah. Um, so I love it. I think that it's like the starting point of where the most help needs to happen. And I know we work with Zotero and they do a lot of work to help the farmers build up their communities as well in a way that's sustainable and not just like handing out, you know, money after money after money. because right. that's, that's never going to get us anywhere either. So I love the beauty of this, like just giving resources to help them get on their feet makes the most sense okay i want you to describe the travel situation to get in because i've seen some of the videos and it is you say oh it's just an hour and a half away to me that sounds like nothing but when i know the travel situation it's a little bit bigger of a deal than that so i don't know if you would mind sharing it a little bit because i think it's fascinating
1: i mean technically it's pretty easy to like land in haiti it's after you get off the airplane that it becomes a situation. Yeah. Um. You know, Spirit Air out of Fort Lauderdale. It's truly like hour and a half. You know, mm-hmm. leave at ten thirty out of Florida and land in Haiti at noon. Um. But Haiti can change on a day-to-day basis. You know, there can be a month where the road is just packed and full of every vehicle of shape and size and people and animals. Um, and then there can be when gas is $30 a gallon and there's nobody at all on the road and there's burning tires and roadblocks,
0: um, protesting the fact that gas is $30 a gallon oh, $30 and nobody dollars can. a gallon. That's insane. How yeah, it so, be that different from Florida to Haiti if it's just, I mean, a tanker can go there, I would think.
1: They can, but, but their system is more corrupt than ours. There's, they have had years of. Um, not just corruption within their own government, but, you know, being taken advantage of by other countries and which left them very vulnerable to further corruption. So, you know, um, if the, you know, the current leader of the country wants to raise the price of gas to $30 a gallon, then the leaders of the people, sometimes we call them gang, like gang leaders, you can call them whatever you want. I think they're leaders of the people are going to protest that, you know, yeah. and it looks violent or it looks bad with roadblocks and fires. Yeah. yeah. But there comes a time when people have to use the only voice they have, you know, yeah. and yeah. when everything else has been taken away, you know, I, I, I love it. I love having been in Haiti. I love having, you know, we've been stopped at a roadblock. Um, We had to wait it out at a police station mm-hmm. and ended up, kind of going over a dangerous mountain to get around it. Um, but I I say I love it because because it's so just real and raw and like the potential that that could be us, you know? That could be us in a couple of decades, you know? Um, perspective, and seeing, yeah. seeing people do what they can to take care of themselves and their communities. And I have no judgment toward anything that is done in Haiti by people and the leaders of the people to try to, um, make changes. If even if that means that the midwives at mama baby have to, you know, put a woman in the back of a pickup truck, who's, you know, needing medical care and get out at seven different roadblocks and beg to be let through to a hospital mm-hmm. until they can get her there, you know, mm-hmm. like even that still zero judgment, you know what I mean? On on what happens and and how it works. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. Ooh, that's heavy. Okay. Well, so for some reason in my mind, I had a video of you on a boat, and that okay. was the worst <laughs> of it. So yeah. I, I don't know if you can talk. If I'm remembering wrongly, or you seem like you remember that. <laughs> oh yeah. So Haiti's coastal. So yeah.
1: you know, it's a little, it's a little island in the Caribbean. Okay. When so. I say
0: boat, though, like it's like a like a. Like a lifesaver boat, like one of those yeah, like, like a little wooden side of a real boat. <laughs> yeah, that the boat owner was like
1: bailing a whole bunch of water out of before we got oh. in, you know. So, yeah. Sure, let me get so, it. Oh my exactly. God. Okay. So, But you know, but the water was beautiful, and I was like, well, aside from sharks, if we if we go down, it's oh probably. Okay. You know?
0: I'm not in agreement with you on that, but yeah, <laughs> you're a braver uh, woman than me.
1: Yeah. So the um the midwives of Mama Baby do, they will go and do prenatal care, uh, you know, for women that can't get down to the city very easily. So that boat ride was actually, um, we were going to the base of a mountain that was on the coast. And then we hiked up the mountain to do prenatal care for the women that live in a little village up there. And then you know, what they say is they say, we go to them because in labor, they have to come to us. And it's about a five hour walk down the mountain and through the city, mm-hmm. if you know, without the boat ride. So when women go into labor up there, they are taught to start walking when they feel their first contraction. So it's a little bit different, obviously, than what we do here, but we don't walk five hours to care. So um, they feel their first contraction and they start walking down the trail, down the mountain. Um, and then maybe get a ride or maybe not to the city of Capetian and, uh, knock on the gate at mama baby Haiti and are brought in to, to have their baby there. So they do. So that's what the boat ride was. It was going to them because they come, they come to mama baby in there, uh, when wow. they're in labor. Wow.
0: Okay. So that's not a normal, normal transportation. It was sort of a, yeah,
1: not, not totally normal. Yeah. Okay.
0: Oh, okay well anyways i it does sound like a it sounds like traveling back in time is what it really sounds like right. you know we'll watch these shows about what it was like in america you know in the early 19th century and that's what it makes me think of or right. even the 20th century i don't know new york city it was a little bit... <laughs> yeah yeah, it's such an interesting mix. Like
1: yeah yeah it's an interesting mix of like modern you know cell phones you know oh really do they, they have phones. a lot of cell phones they have they have cell phones, but you know, no running water, you know, or food a lot of days. Like oh you God. know, so a very, very interesting mix.
0: Yeah, that yeah. is fascinating. Well, Sarah, I am really excited that we got to have this chat and to share it with listeners. I think it's definitely a turn from what we normally are chatting about (laughs) on here, but I just want to encourage anybody that's listening, if you have something that's near and dear to your heart like this, please reach out to us because we love supporting these passion projects, these things that people are doing to help and serve the community around them, the worldly community, the local community, whatever it might be. Um, And I for sure have a soft spot for the birthing process. So that was the easy yes for me <laughs>
1: when <laughs> Farah was working for
0: people. So I'm thrilled that we got to do this. And if you want to connect, um, we will put the link to the Mama Baby website in our show notes. Um, and of course, you know, there's things that you can do to get involved. So if you want to reach out to Farah, Farah, can we share your maybe email on the show notes or something? Yep, you can definitely share my
1: um, uh, email. Actually, I have a um, Farah at Mama Baby Haiti dot org oh, email so i'll send that to you as well uh, one of the things i love to do is just give people some ideas for you know hosting like a baby shower for mama baby like my God, you know you. yeah get together have a baby shower for mama baby have people bring you know whatever they can as far as um supplies i have a supply list and donations and you know make it fun and i'll i'll do something together so um, um for sure beautiful. i'll give you my email for that
0: um and maybe, you have yeah, plans? like with suggested items to bring or how to get that all down there. Yeah, so I have
1: a, I have a list of some suggested items that can be, um, what they can do is they can be sent to like the next person that's going when one of our board members goes, or we've had like one of our Haitian staff members come to Florida. because it was a little bit safer okay. and take items back. And then we also have a, uh, an Amazon cart that has some of our
0: most needed items that I can share. So, very cool. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Farah. Have a really yeah, long, easy, short rest of your day. <laughs> thank that. you, Lacey.
1: I super appreciate it. Yeah, of course. We'll talk soon.